0: This morning, numbers confirming what we see and feel all around us. The American Psychological Association finding nearly 80% of adults say the coronavirus is a significant source of stress in their life. Next tonight, the emotional toll the pandemic is taking on American children. Parents noticing a significant rise in depression and anxiety.
1: We're in the midst of a mental health epidemic right now, and I think it's only going to get worse.
0: You don't think the worst is over? No, not
1: at all. No. I think, in a way, the worst is yet to come.
2: There is a hidden epidemic stemming directly from the first pandemic, a psychological pandemic. Illness, loss of loved ones, social isolation, economic insecurity, disruption of routine, have taken an enormous toll on mental health. Depression, anxiety, suicides and drug use are all on the rise. All this making mental health services more important than ever. But how do you deliver mental health services during COVID-19? It has led us to revision mental health and substance
1: use treatment. I'm Melissa Bailey, principal at Bowling Business Strategies. I spent the better part of 20 years working for the state of Vermont, primarily in mental health. Mental health is something we all have, just like physical health, and it's on a continuum.
2: I'm Raquel Maison Jeffers, program officer at the Nicholson Foundation, and a self-professed advocate. And by that I mean, someone who has worked inside state government, holding a deep commitment to transforming health systems
1: to improve outcomes for more people. Welcome to State of Mind, where two former state leaders explore new ways to a better mental health system. We are ready to stop tinkering at the edges of change.
2: On today's episode, Digital Health Solutions for Addressing the Hidden Pandemic, we'll explore how digital health platforms can extend the reach of services and save lives.
1: While telehealth innovation has been underway for some time, COVID-19 has catapulted the field forward and there is a newfound affinity for telehealth as viable and in some cases even preferable. Joining us now is psychiatrist,
2: internationally recognized addiction treatment researcher and the current chief medical officer of Dynamic Care Health, Dr. David Gaspin. In the interest of full disclosure, I wanna share that I am a part-time consultant with Dynamic Care Health. With that, I wanna dive right in. Dr. Gasprin, welcome. Could you start by telling us what exactly is Dynamic Care and how it works?
0: Sure, I'd be glad to. Dynamic Care Health is a smartphone smart card system for delivering accountable motivation incentives and other evidence-based approaches to recovery to people with all substance use disorders.
1: So could you tell us a little bit about how dynamic care is making a
0: difference for people? Sure. So when somebody is referred to Dynamic Care, we call that individual up just on the phone and we explain to them that they're gonna be able to make efforts for their recovery in between treatment sessions or even if they're not in treatment. And during the course of the week, they're gonna get appointment reminders to go to their uh, medical appointments, counseling appointments, AA meetings, even virtual online meetings nowadays during COVID. And when they go, we will use their smartphone to track, if it's a physical appointment, the GPS coordinates that they've actually showed up. Um, If it's a virtual appointment, we'll detect it electronically and we'll know that it's them, they showed up at the right place at the right time and they stayed for the right duration. So we make a difference because we'll actually catch people who were going to AA meetings, they said seven days in a row. Uh, But what happens is they're getting their signature card initialed by the meeting secretary and they leave in the first five minutes of every meeting all week long. And we'll text alert their counselor to do an intervention and the patient will come in and be confronted and they'll tear up and they'll say those meetings, you know, they bore me and I, I start craving and they turn me on and I know I'm screwing up and they'll modify the treatment plan and rescue the patient before a relapse has to occur. And that's just with our appointment feature. But we also do CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, Most people, when they get a piece of paper from their counselor and they leave the clinic, they lose the piece of paper before they leave the clinic doors. Um, We find in studies, 66% of our available CBT modules are completed by the average patient. That's a tremendous effort. When we do drug testing or breathalyzer or smokerlyzer testing, we actually put the testing in the hands of the individual patient. So we ship them the testing equipment that's right for them. We text alert them through the app. It's time in the next hour to do a test. They have that testing device with them because these are all pocket-sized devices. If they're out at the movies, um, if they're on the road, um, they'll pull over to a rest stop, put their phone up on the dashboard turn on the app and do a video selfie as they breathalyze themselves or drug test themselves with a saliva drug test kit. And they'll show the results to the camera or it'll be Bluetooth connected like the breathalyzer. And we will watch that video. We'll know that it's actually them. So this is true witness testing and it's true random. We will test evenings, weekends, holidays, the periods of highest risk, which no clinic can do. And so that improvement in deterrence and detection helps people stay on the path of recovery like nothing else out there.
1: Interesting, thanks.
2: So Dr. Gasperin, you have a long and um, esteemed history of working in the addiction treatment fields. What motivated you to develop this new model?
0: So I always have conducted my research when I was at Harvard and since, on practical solutions that could change practice for the better and get us the outcomes that you know the rest of healthcare gets when they come up with a new medication and a new device. So um, I've worked on the ASAM criteria software. I've worked on developing Vivitrol, the injectable naltrexone. And I was always bothered that we have 50 years of research on incentives contingency management, paying people small but increasing amounts of money to change their behavior. And this whole field, there's 100 papers in the peer-reviewed scientific literature on this showing it consistently doubles to triples the abstinence rates in all kinds of substance disorders, and yet almost nobody uses it. So this is the best evidenced, least utilized approach in the whole field of addictions, and I wanted to change that. So I had a conversation with my oldest son, who's a tech entrepreneur, Harvard Business School grad, and he was upset that we have family members who've been in and out of rehab, in and out of relapse. And he wanted to know, as only a son would ask a father, dad, how come your field is just not so good at treatment? And I said, "No, no, 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 we have this approach that would be the envy of modern medicine, except nobody will use it. And he was astonished. And, you know, why not? And I said, Well, there are all these obstacles. It's really, really difficult to implement. People have ethical concerns about giving people money. Will they just go out and buy drugs? And he said, and don't your people realize that with modern technology, there's a solution to every one of those problems? And my joy hit the floor. And I said, what are you talking about? And he went through all of these solutions. And I said, Eric, if you could integrate that stuff, you could revolutionize my field. And we talked to a number of experts in the field, the top people in this incentives or contingency management field. And they all said, you should do this, this this could work. And we began developing the software, testing it, working with external researchers and it it did, it worked. And it, it has made a tremendous difference.
1: So I'm curious if you could expand a little bit on what you see the differences really are between dynamic care and more traditional approaches beyond the contingency management piece.
0: Yes. Um, Traditional care is very important. So somebody goes through rehab and they need to follow through to outpatient care. What's the percentage that succeed in that? Well, we did a study with one of the U.S. major health insurance companies, Aetna. 60% of the people that they paid for rehab never made it to outpatient treatment. But 70% of those people continued with dynamic care. Mm -hmm. So we realized that there's something engaging about the immediacy of a phone. Um, Look, we're using the phone many, many dozens of times a day. We're going to Facebook when we're bored, we're checking our schedule, we're um, looking at the weather and When you do that for your own recovery, you're thinking about your recovery those many times a day. You're thinking, what am I supposed to be doing next? Okay, let me keep that in mind. What's the next appointment I gotta get to? Okay, oh, that appointment thing on my phone, oh, it's got the directions because we put the Google Maps directions right in the reminder. Not a bad idea, right? And so you don't get lost. And so instead of a high rate of no-shows in people in early recovery, we have a high rate of showing to these appointments. Well, that alleviates guilt and shame and it helps people feel like they're accomplishing something. And it's, you could say these are simple things, but when you're going week to week without contact, without support, without being reminded to focus on your health, it's easy to fall into old patterns. So this model of care is different from traditional approaches. It's also much more rigorous. Um, A counselor who says, you know, we'll see you next week, work on these things, you know, go to meetings, you know, let me know how it went when I see you next week. Well, there's seven days. Well, there's no accountability, there's no active interaction, there's no reminding. With the technology, we're able to text alert almost on a daily basis, if appropriate. We're able to submit. Um, surveys for self-assessment questionnaires and look at those results. We're able to see the um, substance test results. And if somebody's starting to deteriorate, we can text alert their counselor to intervene before they're in a full-blown bender or need detox again. So it's a, a wraparound service tool that lifts the burden of effort off the provider and puts it directly into the hands of the patient. And the patient, it turns out, really loves that. Um, Dynamic Care also incorporates
2: the use of recovery coaches. Can you talk a little bit about how they are engaged in the process and how the um,
0: members are able to work with a recovery coach in the program? Yes. So when the uh, technology was already mature and effective, but people were dropping out of treatment, you know, not making it uh, to outpatient care after rehab, um, the insurance company said to us, couldn't we just directly refer with our internal case managers to your app? Because, you know, we can't rely on people to go to treatment necessarily. We said, yes, but... In that case, we can't just rely on a high tech approach. It has to be high tech and high touch. There has to be human beings involved. Um, We will do that if you'll allow us to hire recovery coaches and pay for that. And lo and behold, the insurers said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll pay for that. So we hire certified peer recovery coaches. By the way, not just for the patients. We actually have certified family partner coaches for the significant other or family members as well. And we use, in both cases, evidence-based approaches to interact on an ongoing basis. So our coaches interact with our members at least once a week by video FaceTime-like interface. And they have unlimited texting back and forth during business hours as well. So our coaches are watching the the data coming in every day on, their members' effort, and then they're connecting with them and saying, How's it going? I see that you're having some difficulty. Let's talk. And so, all through the week, a little bit like an AA sponsor, but much more proactive and data driven. And then our coaches are supervised by clinical experts, licensed PhD clinical psychologists, or myself, an addiction psychiatrist, and others.
1: Can you talk a little bit about how this approach would be beneficial during and even post-COVID as people are accessing telehealth a lot more?
0: Yes, so we were telehealth before COVID even hit and COVID has only driven the utilization more. Um, We've added tools to help people during COVID. So for instance, um, we have 90 different topics in our CBT library, you know, denial, triggers, trauma. But during COVID, we added loneliness and boredom and isolation to help people work on coping skills and solutions for, you know, the burdens of COVID. Um, We have um, criminal justice environments where they can't bring people in um, due to, uh, you know, social distancing requirements. And so we're able to go out and test remotely in the community. So it's, uh, it's, it's not only possible or feasible during COVID, but it's actually even more important. And the use of remote services are gonna last, it's gonna last beyond COVID. As COVID resolves, the convenience, the immediacy, the ability to work evenings, weekends, holidays, this is gonna enhance care con- compared to conventional treatment. So so Dynamic Care
2: offers this kind of unique combination of the the best that the evidence has to offer in terms of supporting recovery, um, really good ways for holding individuals accountable. And it has this kind of high tech, high touch combination. What would it take to
0: rapidly bring these services to more people? Well, it's gonna take reimbursement changes. It's gonna take policy changes. And it's going to take more creative collaborative care models. So I'll talk about each of them briefly. Um, We are now seeing payers actually pay, not just for our app and for the service, but even for the incentives. I'm talking about commercial insurance plans, Blue Cross, Blue Shields, state, national payers, and I'm talking about state Medicaid programs, Vermont, um, West Virginia. Um, I'm also talking about policy changes, the feds have to make it easier and um, construct uh, reimbursement codes. Uh, There isn't a contingency management code or an incentive payment code. We're gonna have to set those up and make it um, freely accessible. Um, We're also gonna have to get providers to pay attention to the data portal that Dynamic Air provides. If you're seeing a patient after a week and they've accessed the trauma CBT module during that week, you gotta look at that and say, hey, you, didn't, you never mentioned trauma, let's talk about trauma. So there's a tremendous future here, um, but we're gonna have to adapt. And also all these data are suitable for machine learning, artificial intelligence analytics. We're starting to use that already. And that is the best part of the future for mobile health. Thank you,
2: Dr. Gasprin for joining us today. This gives us some real perspective on how creative solutions can be informed by real evidence.
1: That does it for this episode. Please join us for the next episode of State of Mind. Thanks for listening.